Welcome to the Careers Employability Skills Podcast from Queen's University Belfast. This episode is led by Roisin McCart of the Queen's Careers team, who will be offering a bite-sized employability session on working with customers and clients. Okay, so the session today is a one of you know, 12, I think it is, short employability skills sessions that we're doing. And you can see where I have it fitting in here under our 12 employability skills under business communication. But to be quite honest, all of these skills are transferable skills. So it could easily fit into other things as well. It could, it could go into, obviously, other communication skills. It could go into teamwork, interpersonal skills, leadership skills, problem solving is a big one for it. So it fits into lots of these. Um, and it'll be up to you whenever you're at interview to see where it lies in terms of the questions that are, are being asked of you. Um, so that's where it fits in with the rest of them. And there are other employability skills sessions happening. You've probably seen them. Um, and I'll, I'll put up a wee reminder at the end of, this, uh, of today's session as well. So the course structure today then is basically, you know, know who your customers actually are. Know yourself. And by that, I mean things like how do you react to customers? What are your skills? Maybe what are your trigger points whenever you're having to deal with, you know, maybe difficult customers? What actually are customer care skills? And that will be our main focus today. So whether we call our contacts customers or whether we call them clients, the same sort of skills will be involved in it. So, um, you know, what actually are the skills that will be involved, whether you're going to be dealing with people like the picture here, maybe in a call centre, whether you're, you've got a part time job in next, all of those sort of skills will be very similar. And then at the end of it, we'll look at some questions that you might be asked at interview so that you can get prepared for them. And I always advise people to, you know, prepare questions that you might get asked, even if interviews are very far in advance, because there's actually a lot of preparation work that's needed to go into doing a good interview. And having um, question, having answers prepared for questions like things like customer care now is really good. You obviously you build on them, you get more experience and you build on the answers, but it's a good opportunity to start to do that sort of thing if you haven't already done that. But before we actually look at the skills, let's just have a quick look at the benefits of good customer service. So to the organization, you've got things like customer loyalty. Um, and obviously repeat customers means repeat sales, more sales. You've got third party endorsements, um, word of mouth sales and recommendations, very important for businesses. Um, enhanced brand reputation. And a company can basically, you know, succeed on that, have longevity on that. And if you don't have good brand reputation, then obviously companies tend to fall by the wayside. Attract the best talent there. Now, by that, and this is important from your point of view, is that, you know, the, the, the research basically shows that the best talent wants to work in the best companies and that it's important that the companies are seen to do well for their customers and therefore for their staff as well. 
uh, the final one there, continual improvement to their product systems and services. And again, if you're working in a company that is continually making improvements, both to you know any products that they might make, but also internally to their systems and their services, then that's a good thing for you because you know your job will be constantly changing. There'll be challenges. But also, if they're looking after things like that, they tend to be looking after their staff as well. So it's it's a good benefit to to the organisation, but also to the staff that work in it. So for the employee, then benefits of good customer service generally leads to a happier place to work, richer customer experiences, and by that I mean that you know if you're actually dealing with customers, clients, internal customers as well that obviously the better those customer experiences are, the nicer the job is for you. Um, better communication and organisation within the company, and we all know that companies fall down badly in terms of especially internal communication. So that's a big plus if a company is good at actually communicating with their staff. And generally, if you're working in a company that is good has good uh, reputation for good customer service and customer care then it's usually something that is a good motivator for the employees as well so a good place in general for you know a person to work in so that's the benefits of good customer service both to the organizations and to yourselves if you happen to be to be working in those so what do i mean then by outstanding customer service if we're going to talk about how do I actually, you know, give what what do I mean by what is good customer service? Then a definition that I like to use is service that exceeds your customers' expectations. And by that, you know, we all have a certain level of expectations for things, and it's different for different things. So if you go to stay in a five-star hotel, oh for the chance of that at the minute. Um, but if, if you're able to go and stay in a five star hotel, the expectations that you have of that hotel are going to be much higher than if you're going to stay in, in a two star hotel, for example. But if the two star hotel exceeds your expectations, then you go away having had a good, a much better experience. Whereas if the five star hotel falls short in any way, then you're basically you know, you basically feel that you've had a, a bad customer experience there because of the level of your expectations. Now, obviously, a company will be hoping to set high expectations and then exceed those. But, you know, it is worth noting what what's in, involved there, basically. So good customer service then meets a customer's expectations. Poor service falls short of those expectations. An exceptional service exceeds customers' expectations, and that's obviously what you and what your company will want to aim for. And it's the sort of thing that might be useful if you're trying to talk about customer care at an interview, where you maybe can explain the difference between uh, customers' expectations and what you're able to, to do for them. Okay. So I think it's really important to emphasize and to realize, I suppose, that every single job has customers. So you may not actually be face to face with what you would call a customer. Um, it may be that, you know, you are sit sitting in an office and you never actually see who you sell your products to or who you sell your services to. 
but every organization, every company will have customers. And generally you have internal and external customers. So even, you know, jobs these days, new types of jobs like YouTubers, you know, to be successful, they need subscribers, they need customers. So it's really important that whatever type of job, whether you're going to be, you know, a nurse or an engineer or an artist or a physicist or whatever it might be, you will have customers. So don't dismiss the idea of customer care or working with those customers and clients. And it's also important to understand that you may have internal and external customers. So every job has people that you will need to keep happy, essentially. And if you're ever you know, asked to think about, well, who are my internal customers? Just think about who are all the people that I need to keep happy, basically. So the external customers are often more obvious if they're buying your product or their services. Those are the people that are basically going to be paying money into your company. Um, and if that's the case, then chances are the company would have a customer service procedure in place. But as I said, you'll also have internal customers. It might be your team members, it could be bosses, it could be people working in other departments that rely on you for information or for services. And these interactions can be just as important and, and maybe often more visible to you if you're not actually dealing with customer interactions. So today, for example, you, are, you as people who are attending the session today are my customers, but the students who also didn't or couldn't attend are also my customers because I have to think about, am I not doing the right sessions for them? What are the reasons that they're not able to turn up today? And you know, even for something, a short session like this, we're thinking about what's the right time of day to do it. We're doing these sessions on different days of the week so that you know the same students can, you know, if, if, if they always got a lecture on a Monday at this time, that they'll be able to come to a different one. Um, so, you know, we try and think of different things and we certainly keep the sessions short to enable you to attend them as well. Um, today, for example, Patricia is also one of my customers. So Patricia being a team member of mine, generally everybody in the team is, is, is a customer, an internal customer of yours anyway. But when I ask for Patricia to help out as a favour to me today, I then have to make sure that I'm giving her the information that she needs, the links, what I what I need from her. And, and it's a sort of a two-way internal customer situation, but that's something that would happen regularly. So any job, any role that you would go for, think about who the external customers would be for that organization and what sort of things that you might be expected to do within the organization as well. Who would you likely be working with who would those internal customers be? Um, as well as that, I would also then have to give information to my manager, how many people turned up, what was the evaluations like, so you can see why it's important for me to gather that information. But also then that information would go further and it would go to, to the uh, senior managers in the university looking at what, what's available to the students. So you can see that you know, even just a short session like this all fits into the bigger picture. It's all around, you know, the internal and the external customer. OK, so just to give you an idea of the sort of things that might be involved whenever we're talking about internal and external customers. So, you know, you might be asked, can you identify 
external and internal customers. Think about that before you would go for any job that you might be going for. Any questions, obviously put them into the chat. I'm happy to sort of expand on or, or give a bit more clarity in some of the things that I'm talking about. Okay, so let's move on then. So exceeding customer expectations, I've already said to you, and you know, I think it's important that you recognize that there's sort of two types of customer needs and rational needs and emotional needs would be those two types. So the rational needs would be, for example, you know, my computer's not working and I'm phoning up the IT department. The rational need is that I need the computer to be working again to be able to get on with my work. The emotional need might be, um, well, whenever I phone them, I don't want them to make me feel stupid, right? I don't want them to use jargon that after the end of it, all right, the computer's working, but I feel like, you know, my goodness, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Okay, so that's sort of a rational and emotional need. It could be something as simple as you're expecting a delivery to the house and, you know, it's supposed to come at a certain time. So you're in the house for that reason and it doesn't come then and you have to wait for the next afternoon or something. And those emotional needs can build up dramatically. So if a service has fallen short for whatever reason, a customer can often go beyond what their rational needs were and they're straight into the emotional needs. And there can be a lot of aggression and there can be a lot of anger there. So it's, it is really worth noting that and being aware of it. Okay, so I have here a top 10 soft skills for customer service. Um, some of these would overlap and you know, it, it's something that, it's not that I expect you to always be able to go into an interview with, here's my list of top 10 skills. But I think what's important is that if you're looking at examples for yourself, what are the sort of skills that you can take from this that you could put into those examples? Okay, so don't go into an interview with a list of them, but go into an interview with the idea of how you incorporated some of these into the examples that you want to use. Okay, so the first one there obviously is clear communication. It comes up in all in, in all parts of, of um, industry basically. So any question that you're going to be asked quite often communication is going to be in the answer. So whether it's communication in person, on the telephone, by email, not much by letter these days, you have to take into account things like tone of voice things like level of engagement so that you're making sure that the person actually knows that you're involved with them. Obviously, the words that you use and if you're um, if you're employed in a big organization, you probably will go through some sort of customer care um, session anyway to give you some of those words and even your body language. And that's important whether it's on the phone or maybe not so much by email, but certainly in this sort of circumstances as well and an online sort of thing. Um, so it's really important that you're able, if you're an interview, to be able to talk about that sort of level of communication. Okay, listening skills. This is one of the things that whenever people talk about having good communication skills, they often don't talk about listening. And it's so important because obviously 
in order to take on board with any customer what the requirements are, it's important that you've listened to them. And I, I really could put in their active listening because you have to actively show that you're listening to the customer. They need to be very clear that you are listening to them. So you have to actively show that you're doing that. And you need to be able to listen to them, as it says there, to ascertain the problem, find out what's wrong, to make them feel important, because that's a big thing in customer care. The customer needs to go away feeling like it mattered to you. To manage their emotions, manage their emotions and your own emotions as well, work out how to solve the problem and always thinking about improving future service. And again, that's also important when you're you know, thinking at interviews. I know I'm mentioning this a lot, but that's the point of this is to be able to work out how can I use this information whenever I'm at interviews and thinking about, you know, ascertaining the problem, bringing it right through to improving future service is an important thing for you. So not one of the top 10 skills, but I thought it was important to put in here about barriers to active listening. So obviously, in order to be able to listen well, um, there, you, you have to be in the right environment to be able to do it. So it's, to be, it's important to be aware of what some of those barriers are that might prevent you from properly listening to your customers and taking action to limit you know, any sort of um, barriers that there might be. So for example, multitasking there. If you have to do something to resolve an issue, such as maybe looking up a database, let the person, let the customer know that that's what you're going to be doing. You don't want to just suddenly turn away from them, even though you're still involved with them. They don't necessarily know that you've turned your back on them to go and look up a database. So make sure that the customer is always aware that that's what you're trying to do. Um, don't interrupt the person. They have to get what they want to say out there. Okay, and that's really important. Don't interrupt them, let them say what they need to say. And don't jump to conclusions. So, you know, you have to let them get the information out as well so that you don't jump to conclusions too early on. You're less likely to do that, obviously, if the customer has been able to say exactly what they need to say. Try to make sure that the environment allows you to do your best work. So if you're for example, particularly hangry or tired, or you're, you know, you're going to find it difficult to work with difficult customers or with customer complaints. If a customer is rude or angry, it can be very hard to listen to them properly. Not that you can do an awful lot about that, but you can do something about your own behaviours. Obviously, your company needs to agree what, um, I suppose, is a certain or an appropriate or an inappropriate level of behaviour from a customer. So that's something that hopefully, you know, customers would agree with you. But at a certain level, you need to be aware that the customer may be having an emotional re reaction to the level of the service and take this into account. So, you know, those are some of the barriers, but most of them can be overcome. And again, it's, it's worth knowing what some of those things are, especially if you're trying to incorporate it into an example of either good or bad customer care. Okay, self-control. I said that it was uh, something that you needed to do was to find out about your own level of customer care skills. And I think to manage customer emotions, you have to be aware of and be able to manage your own emotions. Not necessarily an easy thing to do, and certainly not in some of the 
sort of more difficult customer care situations. But you have to be able to stay in control of your emotions. And to do that, you need to know what, how you react to certain situations, I suppose. So if a customer is raising their voice or saying about how terrible the staff are here or something like that, how are you likely to react to it? Just going from you know the experience that you already have, how, you, how are you likely to react to it? What behaviours are you likely to display? And how are you going to manage them? Because the manage them part is that self-control part of things. So to a large extent, you would manage customers' behaviours by managing your own behaviours. There's not an awful lot that you can do with the customer as such, but your self-control helps to maintain the customer self-control as well. And by that, I suppose an example I would give you would be if a customer raises their voice, then if you then raise your voice, that gives them the opportunity to raise theirs even higher. And it's kind of builds on that. I raise mine high, you raise yours higher, and it builds up. If you can maintain your voice at you know a level, at a good level, so that the customer can hear you, but you're not shouting or anything, then the customer doesn't have the opportunity to keep on raising their voice higher and getting a bit more out of control as well. So, you know, that's one way of managing, of being able to maintain, you know, some level of control. And I think sometimes that, especially whenever you're dealing with customers who, who are having those sort of emotional reactions, sometimes you really just have to see this as a performance. You know that you put yourself into the, my self-control or, or my customer care performance to be able to deal with the situation and that can help you to manage your self-control as well it's not an exact science by any means but it's it's something to consider okay and it's important it's really important that unless you start out with a positive attitude towards dealing with the customer then it's not going to resolve itself in a good way so it's really important to be, you know, start off with a positive attitude, be considerate, always, always use polite language to make the customer feel that, yes, this will be sorted and we do care about it. Um, smile if you can, always be polite, obviously. And, you know, even if you're not able to resolve the situation, the customer should at least go away feeling that you cared and you tried your best. So maintaining that positive attitude has a good effect on the customer, even if you're not necessarily able to resolve the whole situation. Um, I think maybe even at this stage, it might be useful if you have thought of any sort of examples of good or bad customer care that you have. If you, if, you, if any of them come to mind, put them into the chat so that we can all see. What, what was your best example of when you felt that you know you were treated really well as a customer or really badly um it would be useful if you probably didn't put in names and didn't put in names of companies especially as we're recording this but it would be you know if you've got anything there it'd be really good for us to be able to see so what are good experiences of customer care when were your expectations exceeded and what was really bad experiences of it whether you were the customer or whether you were dealing with the customer. Would love to hear the examples. Okay, so 
Assertiveness is something that actually we'll be doing a, a short session like this specifically on assertive behaviour. I think it's probably during development weeks, that one. Um, but just as a sort of a, a starting point here anyway, you want the customer to be able to feel confident that you can resolve the situation. And you also want to be treated with respect and indeed to treat the other person with respect as well. So in order to do this, you want to behave assertively. Um, you know, be honest. Tell the customer, you know, how the situation is. So don't tell the customer you'll have it sorted immediately if you know that that's not going to happen. So be honest about the situation. If you're not honest about it, you'll just make it a whole lot worse. But be confident and try to look for a solution that suits both of you. And, you know, the confidence should come across to the customer as well. Be careful about how you say things. You know, remember that customers are possibly in that sort of emotional state. So if you say things like, oh, well, you need to do this, in their heads, they're immediately thinking, I don't need to do anything. Okay, so be careful about the words that you're actually using. You can replace things like, well, that's not actually my job to find out who can help you with that. Okay, you can see the difference there. It's the same thing, but it's much more positive to be able to say, I'll find out who can help you with that, rather than, well, that's not my job. I can't do that. Let me see what I can do for you about that. And obviously the one that we all know, I don't know, replace that one with, I'll find that out for you. Okay, so just trying to use the sort of positive phrases rather, rather than the negative ones. And also be careful about your tone of voice. You don't want to sound, you know, sarcastic or condescending or disbelieving or anything. And, you know, if you're working in, in an environment where customers are coming into you and saying, oh, that was broke when I got it. If you're, you know, rolling your eyes or looking like you really do not believe them, then it's a really bad start to trying to resolve the situation. So make sure that your customer, that, that your body language is suitable for it. Okay. Things as well, like, um, you know, make sure that you're giving them your full attention. So no sort of drumming your fingers. Definitely don't roll your eyes and absolutely don't go onto your phone while you're trying to resolve the situation. And I know that, you know, some of this might sound like behaviours like, uh, you know, that wouldn't happen. They're all things that I have seen versions of happen. So, you know, make sure you're not the person that, that's doing that. Um, and, you know, something that you might consider to be a ridiculous complaint for the person who's making the complaint might may well not be. So make sure that you're using all those skills. And I suppose the first thing is to make sure that you are actually taking the person's complaint seriously in the first place and making sure that they see it that way. And this one sort of steps to conflict resolution is kind of like, uh, I suppose, rolling all those skills together to make sure that you can resolve the what may be a conflict sort of situation. So I've already said to allow the customers to say exactly what they need to, let them get it all out. Show empathy for the customer and what has happened. Make sure that you're always polite. And even if they're angry, that you maintain your control and don't react to it. So as I said, this one sort of 
combines a lot of the things that we've already dealt with. Keep focused on what is important and can be dealt with. So don't get distracted by sort of unimportant details or things that you can't really deal with anyway. Try and find something in the conversation that you can agree with. So trying to find something that has common ground or just even a positive statement can be a good starting point. Wait for the customer to come to an end and what they have to say before starting to come up with a solution because you have to hear the whole thing through. You also have to let them perhaps vent a bit and get it out. But, you know, unless you hear the whole thing through, you can't really come up with the best solution for it. If there really is a lot of anger, then make sure that there's some way of allowing a little time to let the emotions cool down, whether that's your emotions or whether it's the customer's emotions. Perhaps, you know, take a minute to excuse yourself to go and speak to a supervisor or to look for some information. And I have at the very end there, if all else fails, pass the buck. And I, I, I'm not really joking about that. I really do mean that as a way of controlling conflict, um, not as a way of getting out of something. But sometimes if a person has been really angry and really expressed their anger to you, they need a fresh face then to sort of restart themselves. So maybe you go to your supervisor and ask them to, to deal with the person because you're not able to resolve the situation. And the supervisor appears and says exactly the same thing that you would say anyway. But the person behaves to them so differently. They've calmed down and everything. You might see that as a bit of a, a failure on your part, but I like to see it as a, a technique um, because you're given that person the opportunity to start off with a, a fresh slate, basically, with a new person, a fresh face, so that they can put their best face on again and hopefully deal with the situation with the anger that you've kind of let them get out. OK, so pass the buck to me, although I'm saying it and as a sort of a, a tongue in cheek thing, it genuinely is a useful technique to use. So, so be aware of it as well. And one more very important thing that you should never do is don't tell people to calm down. And that's not a picture of me. That's why I put a picture of me up at the start so that you would know that wasn't me. But uh, none of us like to be told to calm down and no customers like to be told it. And it might be one of the things that we often sort of go to to say, but my advice would be just don't go there at all. OK. OK, empathy then. It's really important to make the customer see that you do care about their complaint. And that's really what the empathy thing is here, is making sure that the customer sees that you will do what you can do. So even if you can't actually solve the problem, you should still show them that you care about it, that you will do what you can. So using some of the phrases shown here, such as thank you for getting in touch about this, helps the customer know that you at least empathize with them. OK, so again, just another part of the technique for trying to resolve the situation. And depersonalization. And I think it's really, really important sometimes to, you know, to understand that if someone's standing in front of you arguing or shouting or whatever, again, think back to those sort of rational and emotional needs. 
because even if they're saying to you, I'm not mad at you, I know it's not you, but the emotion's still all there, it can be quite difficult to deal with. So again, it's about putting on that Oscar winning customer care performance of yours and recognizing that it's not actually about you, okay? Using your skills and your empathy to try and help the person through the situation. I've said to you before, obviously, if things get out of hand in terms of anger or inappropriate behaviors or anything, know what the company limits and the procedures are and make sure that you keep yourself safe, obviously. But do try and meet the challenge. Okay, so, you know, if you're not in a dangerous situation or anything, do try and meet the challenge to actually resolve the situation. And that brings us on to one of the things which I think, again, in terms of interviews is one of the more important things in terms of customer care, and that's accountability, doing your bit, basically. So, you know, to be able to say that you as an employee, whether you're involved with customers or not, take accountability for customer satisfaction is really important. I think it's important to understand that customer care, client care, whatever it is that you know you want to refer to it as, is a responsibility for absolutely everyone in the organization. So for example, you know, things like taking taking pride in your work is important. Um, if you promise to do something for a team member, you make sure that you get it done. You meet deadlines that you you know you've been asked to meet. You look at how you can improve the quality of your work all of the time. If you get feedback, you make sure that you act on it. Again, perhaps some things to think about if you're looking for examples of you know working with customers. So I think you know of quite a few of the slides, the accountability here one to me would be very important in terms of uh, using it at interview. Okay, and as I said on that, remember it's just as important for your internal customers as your external customers. And the final soft skill there, um, which I would say use with caution is humour. And I say use with caution for a few reasons really, I suppose. If you're not a naturally humorous person, then I would say, look, just don't go there. Be yourself, you know, don't try and be funny if you're not funny anyway. Um, you know, you might find that a colleague who's naturally funny can get away with things with humour that you can't do. And if that's the case, just don't worry about it. You know, you're not trying to be somebody that you're not here. So, um, and the other thing is that although it can be fine to sort of try and lighten the situation with a wee bit of humour, you have to be very careful about it. You know, if someone is feeling particularly angry, then they're not going to suddenly find things very funny, okay? So, you know, that line there, don't be ambiguous. The customer should know it's humour. Are you trying to be funny? It's not something that you want the customer to be saying to you. So I, I, I'm, I'm saying that there is a soft skill, but it's very much with a pinch of salt. And it's more important that you make sure that you're treating all your customers with kindness and courtesy and respect and the humour might be there if it's appropriate, but use with caution. Okay, and if you can't remember all of those 10 skills, then do remember to be perfect. And when I say perfect, I mean polite, efficient, respectful, friendly, 
enthusiastic, cheerful, and tactful. So if you can't remember those 10 skills, you might be able to remember that word at least. Okay, so um, we've, I'm finished on, on the soft skills there. I want to, I suppose, just finish with a couple of things. First of all, when you're doing your interview preparation, um, we would generally advise you to look at the STAR technique for effectively answering your interview questions. So basically, you want to be able to tell the interviewer your story by putting your answer into context for them. So when you're formulating your answer for an interview, and you know, I would always be saying try and do your preparation well in advance of it. Um, but when you're formulating it, try and stick to this sort of star technique. It makes your answers clear and logical and gives them a sort of an order and make sure that you're getting the main points across that you need to. So start by listening to the question that you're being asked. Think of the example that you're going to use. As I say, hopefully you'll have prepared some of those answers and then frame your answer into situation, task, action and result or results. So describe the event or the situation that you were in. Explain the task that you had to complete. What were the challenges involved in it? Describe the specific actions that you personally took to complete the task. You can say what you did as a team but it's important that you, you know, say what you did as an individual, what you personally did as well. And then finish with the results. What was the impact of your actions? What benefits were there? Were there any savings? Did you complete things in a shorter time? That kind of thing. So that's the STAR technique. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, before um, moving on to sample questions, I just want to give you, I want to tell you a story basically. Um, to sort of round it up for you and give you an idea of how some of this sort of fits together. Um, it's about 80% true, embellished a little bit for effect and, and to get the point across to you. But um, so the story is about six years ago now we put on an extension on our house and we were putting in a new kitchen. Now, as it happens, my brother builds and fits kitchen. So, of course, you know, we used him to put the, the new kitchen in. And I think it must have been during the summer holidays because on some of the days he brought his son, my nephew, with him to help him out. And at the time, my nephew was a student at Queen's. I think he was probably between first and second year. And uh, I haven't always worked in careers, but I've always worked in people development. So I was commenting to my nephew that uh, the work experience would be very useful to him in the future. And, you know, it was quite dismissive of it, sort of saying, well, you know, I'm really just doing lifting and carrying here. It's not really the sort of job that I want to be doing. So, of course, I asked him, well, what kind of thing, what kind of job do you want to be doing? And he said, well, you know, I'm studying business and I'd probably like to do something in marketing. So me being me, still with my developmental head on, I said, well, you know, where, where did your dad get his business from? And he said that people just phone him up and say what, you know, what they want done and would he come and price the kitchen for them? And I said, well, where, where did he get his number from? And he says, well, usually from people that he's already done a kitchen for. So word of mouth then, I'm saying to him. And why do you think they pass on his number? 
Oh, because they like him and he does a good job, he said to me. So I said, so he has customer loyalty then. So when he gets a call like that, what does he do? And he says, well, he goes and meets with them to find out what they want and to give them a price for it. So I said, well, is it easy to find out what they want? And he said, well, he's sort of laughing and he says, well, no. He says half of them have absolutely no idea what they want. Some of them know exactly what they want, but it can't be done because the kitchen's too small or it's the wrong shape or something like that. Some of them want things that they just can't afford. And he says, and if it's a couple, one of them wants one thing and the other one wants something completely different. And I said, so, so what does your dad do then about that? How does he handle that? And he says, well, he just stays calm all the time. He just stays calm and he talks them through the process and he gives them possible options and he tells them that what he could do for them. He never, ever rushes them because he knows that he has to get it right for them and it has to be their decision. So I said to him, so if you were in marketing, do you think there might be any similarities in what you might have to do with the clients? So obviously in the same vein as that, we talked about how his dad worked with suppliers and how important it was for him to have a good relationship with the suppliers because he was relying on them to get materials. Um, how he had to have a number of jobs going at the same time because he had to be able to work around other people like plumbers and electricians and things. And so he had to be able to, to go and do another job while they were working and also keep the various customers happy as well. So we also talked about how stressful a time it was for clients when they're building a home or getting work done to their houses, especially if they're without a kitchen for a time. And how the clients sometimes changed their minds right in the middle of a job and wanted something different. OK, so and so on and so on. So what I'm trying to say here is to appreciate all the various work experience that you can get your hands on. Even if it's with your dad or another family member or something, learn not just from what it is that you are doing. Don't just see it as, you know, the, the heavy lifting or carrying or anything, but also learn from what the people around you are doing. Look at where your role fits into the bigger picture and think about how those transferable skills are useful in so many different jobs. And to finish the story, my nephew did indeed get a job in marketing in Dublin, but I very much doubt that he remembers the conversation that we had at all. But maybe he did, maybe I'll ask him about that at some stage. Okay, so the questions then are the sample questions. Um, and Patricia, you might want to add in anything here if you, if you feel the need. So some sample questions around sort of working with customers, whoops, um, around working with customers and clients. Give me an example of a time when you gave good customer service. Um, and that could be, you know, you could even go back to school days for that if, if it was necessary. But, you know, think about the work experience, whether it's volunteering, it might even be working as part of a project team with, you know, your fellow students. Um, what does customer service mean to you? And again, think about where you've received good, good service and you know, follow up, follow through with some of that. Use some of the words that you've seen in today's presentation. And by the way, I will put some the slides from the presentation into the chat 
whenever I'm finished here. Um, so yeah, so use some of those words and try and build it into your examples. What's the best customer? And third one there, what's the best customer service you've ever received and why? And I think it's really important for you to be able to say the why there. You know, what, what made it good service for you? And maybe you want to talk about things like going above and beyond or excelling um, in terms of expectations. How would you deal with an angry customer? So that's not actually saying how did you deal with it, right? You may never have had to deal with an angry customer. But after today's session, I think it's a good idea to think about how would I deal with it? How would I try to? So try and come up with an example there and have something ready if you're ever asked about it. Have you ever dealt with a difficult customer and how did you handle it? And how would you handle it now? And not sort of asking you, you know, do you think you dealt with it perfectly? How would you do it differently now if you had the chance? Whenever you're thinking rationally about it, how would you do it differently now? And again, in preparation, there's a good opportunity for you to come up with, you know, here's a good example and here's how I would do it better now. What do you think our customers want from us? And again, as I said, every organization has customers. So if you're going for an interview, make sure that you've really thought through what the organization sees that the customer needs from them. Maybe you'll come up with something fresh, but um, it's, it's a good idea to think that through as well. And then tell me about a time when you received poor customer service. And I don't know if anybody put anything into the chat, whether it was examples or questions. No, Maybe. there've been no, there've been no examples no or examples. questions, Rashi. Okay. Um, oh, there's, one, there's one now. Right. Um, yes, a good experience of a bank inquiry that was well handled. Okay. okay. And then a problem with the computer and staff was unable to resolve the problem, but they made me feel listened to and assured me they would ask a colleague with more experience and get it set, get it sorted. Okay, good. Good examples. Um, and, and very much worth considering what you would say yourself. Now, am I back on screen or? Yes, yes, you're yeah. back on screen, yep. Okay. So you've got myself, you've got a expert careers consultant on here. You've got some ideas about customer care and stuff now. Does anyone have any questions? So Laura is saying she's no questions, but she really enjoyed the presentation. Okay, good. Especially the part about staying calm. Um, Adam has said, I would worry that when I speak to customers, I'm being too customer friendly and not genuine. Have you any thoughts on this and how to avoid that? I'm, I'm thinking about that because it's hard to see how you'd be too friendly and not genuine. Was that Adam, did you say, Patricia? That's Adam, yes. That's Adam. I think it's about appearing false, appearing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I suppose, you know, at the end of the day, if, if all you're doing is trying to make sure that you're meeting the customer needs and you're just being polite and smiling, I think I said at the very beginning too, you have to be yourself as well. But as long as you're going into it with, you know, the attitude of I'm trying to do a decent job here, I, you know, I think it's hard to go too far over the top, you know, so um, I wouldn't worry too much about not doing a good job. <laughs> I'll worry more about doing a bad job okay i'm loving Gemma mccormick's picture there by the way with a starfish <laughs> maybe i shouldn't mention that but it's a lovely picture 
Is that okay, Adam? Or is is uh, I, I I sort of feel you're maybe worrying a little bit um, where you shouldn't be. Just be yourself. Any other questions, folks? Oh, Gemma has said thank you. <laughs> I could be overthinking it. Yes, probably, Adam. I mean, honestly, just try and do your best. You'll be fine. <clears throat> The, the the big thing I suppose is about that preparation for interviews and uh, you know using what you have what you've seen today to come up with good answers and keep your answers keep them recorded somewhere and have them for whenever you're going for interviews because you just never know when you might be asked something around customer care. You've been listening to a podcast from the Careers, Employability and Skills team at Queen's. Music by Ben Sound. To access career support at Queen's, please visit our website go.qub.ac.uk forward slash careers or follow at QUB Careers on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.